0: Ladies and gentlemen, Banal of America Audio, with your host, Tim Benall. Hello there, my friends. This is Tim Banal of BanalofAmerica.com with another edition of Banal of America Audio. Welcome back. It is January 28, 2006. This week, we continue our discussion with Melinda Leslie on military abductions, also known as mylabs, and general harassment of abductees at the hands of this shadowy government powers that be type structure that uh, is studying the ET phenomenon if you haven't heard the first part of the interview we posted it last week at beenallofamerica.com I highly suggest you check that out for Melinda's background and her general thesis on the my lab scenario but you're here right now for this week's installment the conclusion of our discussion We're talking about what other abduction researchers say about the MyLab phenomenon, patterns that emerge from various abductees who've been harassed by the government, what areas she finds most troubling about the phenomenon. We have an in-depth discussion of the minders, these folks that manage to worm their way into the lives of abductees and attempt to steer them in one direction or the other. And that's a fascinating discussion. And from there, we move on to... uh, A really chilling story of her co-authors' ordeal at the hands of the powers that be. Plus tons more. Stepford abductees, uh, a big discussion on disclosure, and women in ufology. I get Melinda's perspective on that. So all that is about to play out right now in your ears. For those of you unfamiliar with Melinda Leslie, here's a little bit about her. She has investigated covert intelligence involvement in abductions for 12 years, conducted over 40 interviews of experiencers and researchers of this troubling phenomenon. For many years, Melinda was the director of two experiencer support groups and the director of a monthly lecture series for nine years, presenting nearly 100 speakers. Melinda was associate producer of the 1994 UFO Expo West conferences, has lectured on her area of expertise at numerous conferences, and has been a guest on many radio and television talk shows. So, without any further ado, let's take it away. Melinda Leslie, part two of two on Benal of America Audio, season one. This interview was recorded on January fourteenth, two thousand and six. Now, uh, in your in your presentation you'd spend some time talking about other uh adult researchers, sort of like the big names in the field and what they have to say about um uh, mm-hmm. the military the my lab aspect of, mm-hmm. of abduction, so uh, why don't you speak to that a little bit because I'm sure people know about the other uh, abductee researchers and maybe haven't heard them say much about it, and obviously you know what they have to say about it, so...
1: Well, and different ones say different things. Um, you know, yeah. some, are, some are quite open about it and include it in their research, and others include it in their research but aren't open about it, and some don't even include it in their research and aren't open about it so it's every you know at all those levels um as far as like the major researchers unfortunately john mack is no longer with us um i'm sure most of your listeners are aware of that Um, but john mack who was um chair of the department at harvard medical school and was a major abduction researcher had cases of this and um shared that with me and we'd even planned on doing future work together on on this subject. Um, he had had a number of cases and I just have had someone referred to me recently that I that I need to call and haven't called but a researcher gave me the number of someone and told me this was another case of John Max so it's like, oh, okay, I was familiar with four or five, and here's another, so now I'm familiar with, like, six, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, um, but this was another case of someone who'd worked with John who'd had these experiences. And John Mack, luckily, Dr. Mack was very open to this. Um, he was reserved in going public with it because it was something new to him. He wanted to look at it further. And, you know, most of the major abduction researchers, when they give, when they write a book or do a lecture, they're, they know they're they're talking to the lowest common denominator as far as knowledge on the subject. You okay. know, John Q public, and so they kind of have to start with square one. Like, exactly. is alien abduction real, and what's happening, and is it traumatic for the people, and you know, and they're they're dealing with that, yeah. and the the healing aspect of helping someone through the discovery process. You know, that that's okay. what they're dealing with, and that's understandable because that's. They do, and when they lecture to a crowd they're talking about that, and they might be talking about the evidence for that as far as medical evidence, implant removals, and the scars and you know yep. and maybe ground trace evidence, so this kind of thing, but but this this particular aspect is one of those things that's not so prevalent in their overall research, so they don't need to address it publicly, and that's not what they're there to do it doesn't mean they didn't have cases of it, yeah. A lot of the abduction researchers have multiple cases of this, and some have more than others, depending on their openness and their knowledge of it and their willingness to look at it. Um, John had at least a handful, maybe a couple handfuls of, of cases of this um, where he said these people are... are reporting the harassment surveillance and they've been, and they've reported being interrogated by guys in military uniforms and, you know, this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, and, and most of the major abduction researchers have had some cases of this. Certainly, the numbers go up with the numbers go up with the low-grade harassment, surveillance, black helicopter stuff. A lot sure. of the, the abduction researchers will say, yeah, my cases have had helicopter stuff, they've had phone stuff, but they haven't had the reabduction. And some have said, yeah, you know, I have, you know, 12 cases, 20 cases, 200 cases with the reabduction. Yeah. But, y- you know, but that's out of 500 cases overall, you know, that they've worked with. And um, and as they become more educated about it, they see it more, and like I've, Talk to them and I've had, some, I've had abduction researchers even in conversation with me go, you know what, I have had more cases of this. Now some abduction researchers, like John who worked with quite a few, some um, have worked with it quite a bit and have multiple cases of it. Um, three people instantly, well, I can think of a bunch of people that come to mind, but, but known abduction researchers who come to mind off the top of my head that are fairly well known is Leo Sprinkle who's had many cases of this. Um, has worked with people extensively who've who've had the military stuff. Uh, Like I said, Leo Sprinkle, John Carpenter is another one. Um, Barbara Lamb is another one. These People have had multiple cases, you know, where people have had the military stuff. And, again, sometimes it's the low-grade stuff. You know, like, like I think Leo Sprinkle told me, I'd have to look at some notes here, but I think just off the top of my head that he had had like 200 cases of harassment surveillance kind of stuff. But as far as out and outright right reabduction interrogation, I think at the time I talked to him, this was a number of years ago, but he had, like, I think he said 12 cases of the reabduction, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, where they were literally mm-hmm. taken by the military kind of thing. So
0: um. That, that kind of speaks to your idea that uh, that as it progresses yes. to, like, as they, they sort of filter exactly. out till they get to the ones that they're looking for. Exactly.
1: Because Exa- they're going to spend the time and energy and risk Involvement with you, you know I mean if you think about it, a, you know it must be a risk cost benefit analysis yeah, <laughs> like yeah. I can talk talking business terms yeah. but the risk cost benefit analysis you know they they must really gotta want to do it to 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 bother and go through the hassle of doing it,, yeah. so they have to have an interest in you and um and like I said, come up with all sorts of patterns as to why they would be more interested in one as opposed to another, and it's everything from. Your family history and background, to to what might have happened, your experiences, to your lifestyle, I and mean, then there's a whole all these factors that 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 are that can be considered. You know.
0: Now, from um, now, I noticed also from from what you had to say before was that uh, there seems to be a fear of revealing the MyLab um, even to the abduction researchers. Would you say that's that's come up that uh, the, the abductees? They'll go and, and they'll talk about their abduction experience, but then they'll hold back on, on the, the military yes, abduction aspect.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, usually the abductee is just trying to wrap their head around the fact they've had the alien experience. And if they've had this other part, usually the abductee, it takes the abductee a while to even be willing to look at that, that that's happened to them. I mean, they they may have it there and they have conscious memory of it, but it's like they can't deal with it too much. And when they go to seek out help with their alien experiences, they're looking usually for help with the trauma or help with confusing memories. So they either have disjointed, confusing memories or some degree of trauma, and it's surfacing some way in their life that's making life difficult for them. Um, or a medical challenge, or something like this, that causes them to seek out someone who's worked with abductees, mm-hmm. because they they just want to. Did, did this happen to me? Yeah. Did this happen? And and how do I live with it? You know, and that's what you start with. Did this happen, and how do I live with it? And and usually, also, like we were saying, it's usually down the road that they even have the the, the military a- aspect. When that happens. They're like, okay, people are already going to think I'm crazy. Now they're going to be convinced I'm crazy, (laughs) you know. And so there's a tendency, even though they may have told people they know family members or friends or UFO researchers about their alien experiences, they're not going to bring up the military part because they think that this is going to discredit me. You know, I'm I'm walking on a thin line already. I'm not going to go there. And, and, And so when they... Usually, if they're meeting with someone who's going to do regressive hypnosis on them, like you know, an abduction researcher, yeah. usually they're starting with the alien stuff, and they're not even going to get into anything that th- that they're that uncomfortable with, yeah. because they have to have a high degree of trust with that researcher or with that therapist to get into the deeper aspects. And there's a lot of, I mean, the alien scenario itself has so many levels of aspect oh yeah that you're you're going to work a while with a therapist before you get into the full sexual part of it you know yeah. <laughs> the genetic part of it into the uh, holding your hybrid baby thing i mean that's going to take you a while to even get there <laughs> yeah. you know? yeah. and and you're going to get into those emotional things before you get into the technology stuff you know now Given all that, though, these scenarios do still come up, which is why these researchers have cases of you know people who've also had the military stuff. It does come up. You know, um, it seems to me, you know, like I could say, from as many abduction cases I know, there's a small percentage of overall abduction cases have the military involvement. Well, it makes sense that if that if Leo's got six hundred abductees he's work with that two hundred have had harassment surveillance and twelve or fifteen have had reabduction. I think that's that to me sounds like a fair representation of the numbers, you know. Yeah, yeah. So in other words, you know, out of a couple thousand abductees, only a couple hundred are gonna have the military stuff, you know, and I mm-hmm. and I think that fair, or if a million abductees, then only a couple hundred thousand are going to have the military stuff, and then that becomes really hard to go, God, could it be that many, you know? Yeah. And so, do I get a lot of cases of it? Yes, But but people are coming to me, first off, they already know this has happened to them before I hear about them. You know, and uh, and I'm known for talking about that, and I emphasize it, and yeah, you know, and yeah. I make a big stink about it. So, <laughs> so, so I get you know, so I get cases referred to me and stuff. But, exactly. Yeah. And but you know, again, I've talked to most of the I can't say all, but I'll certainly without doubt, say most of the major abduction researchers, and they all have varying degrees of cases. This depending on their openness to it, and their knowledge about it combined. Um, now, some, one researcher in particular is not open to it, not that knowledgeable, and tends to see it as something else. But I've even talked to some people that have worked with him that tell me they have this, and and yet say, you know, I know he's not open to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's a shame, because you would think, you know, but just because someone's a major abduction researcher doesn't make them a perfect person, you know, yeah. by any means. And um, and so, you know, even myself, there's parts of this scenario I am uncomfortable with looking at. You know, I admit that. There's parts of the abduction scenario that I'm uncomfortable with. But, you know, I try to stay, just say, okay, what does the evidence say? What what are people saying? You know, and, and try to be true to that and not color it with my own belief system and everything. But, you know, I'm, I'm human. I, I probably do, and so that that he would do that is is understandable.
0: Exactly, and it sort of speaks to how you how we said the uh, the abductees are are timid to really come forward right away, and oh, you know, oh. so they would kind of they, make the same mindset. Too. This is
1: the last part. I, I mean, I can say this unequivocally. You know, with all the cases I've worked with, this is the last part of everything that's happened to them that they're willing to look at, admit to share with somebody Yeah. because remember we go back to them saying that these experiences are so much worse there's so much more trauma there's so much more yeah. anger you know um, that you know the abductee knows they, they can't talk about this without getting angry you know, yeah, kind exactly. of a thing the rage you know kind of stuff and they often an abductee doesn't want to share that they want to appear that they're mo- more okay with their experiences you know and so You know, I mean, I hear about it from people because those people have, know that I'm open to it and know they can come to me and know I've worked with other people and even then are very guarded even when they originally tell me. They're going to be like, well, have you ever heard, like I said, they always say, they always preface stuff with, have you ever heard of anything like this?
2: Yeah, And I'll only,
1: like, Blake and say, yeah, I had 50 people just this year tell me that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know. But they think they're telling me for the first time because they're, they're certain that they're the only one that's ever had anything that weird, you know.
0: Exactly. Well, I think as, the, as your research gets gets more out there and, and uh publicized, I guess would be the best word, maybe, but as your research gets more well-known, then hopefully more people will, will come forward. And that sort of goes to this next question, is, like, when you became an activist researcher, Uh, Did you get a lot of people coming to you, and then how did you deal with, like, all these people coming to you? Um, That must have been just a lot of, like, sorting through people and and determining how to deal with all these different uh, experiences.
1: It's not been that many. First off, too, I also want to say thank you for calling me an activist. Calling me an activist, I think, is like the ultimate compliment. (laughs)
0: Oh, well, you are an activist. That's awesome.
1: (laughs) No, I do. That's like a compliment. Um, uh, It's not been that many. I mean... You know, the truth is, and and I'm not even as public as I am about this and doing radio program or whatever, I don't, I'm not that extremely public about it. And, um, you know, I've not done a major thing on television about it or anything like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't get that many cases. I just, I happen to meet people as I meet them through researchers and through speaking at conferences and stuff. And occasionally people are referred to me. Um, I probably, I've, I probably have only worked with like 50 cases at this point, you know, so it's not that many. Yeah. Um, of of people who've had some level of the military involvement stuff. And, uh, I'm familiar with maybe a few more cases because I'm familiar with them, like, I, like some of the cases that other researchers have that they, they've shared with me, or I've heard, you know, whatever, or they've written about, or you know. So granted, I'm familiar with probably, you know, I, I've never really sat down and looked at the numbers that closely. But let's say I'm familiar with that many more, twice as many. So if I if I have 50 cases, I'm probably familiar with at least another 50 cases that have also had this stuff happen. Um, and you know, and and. I'm, and I'm also not going out trying to increase my numbers. I just kind of I sit and let things kinda of fall at me yeah. you know, if you will. You know. Yeah, so um if I really started to do some more proactive research about it and going out and searching for it and searching for people with experiences, that could probably dramatically increase. But I, I don't have the time to do that, you know.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, I've got so much to work with with the cases that are already referred to me as <laughs> yeah. an example. And I'm not able like I said, I had someone referred to me. Shoot, it's been about two months ago, and I still haven't called them, and I need to, you know.
2: Yeah. So, yeah. I'm that kind
1: of thing. So, so, um, so it's not that many cases overall, um, but within the cases I've had, there's been these consistent patterns, um, that every time I get more cases, it the patterns de- seem to stay consistent, you know. Yeah. Um Of course, I'm open to if something changes. Like I said, this thing with this being involved in military exercises and training and stuff. That is kind of something that's always been there, but to a lower degree. And it recently came up in a couple of new cases where it came up in a bigger way. In fact, just one more case that that was referred to, to me, long story short, but someone I've just spoken to about a week ago on the phone had had that. And I'm like, you know, I, I've really got to look at that more because it's it's kind of been there and I've just not looked at it for the depth of information that could be there, and I really need to because I, it, it's. I think, like, I, like I've already said, it's. I think it can speak volumes. Yeah. So, um, so you know that kind of stuff. So as, the, as these patterns come up in the research, I've looked at them, and so I've learned different patterns. And but I've, it's funny in all the patterns that have come up, I haven't really had anything come up and then go away. Everything's come up and then kind of remained a pattern. You know. Yeah. I haven't had something that's like. Well, I had a few cases and then I and then it never came up again you know what so you... far so far I just become more aware of the kinds of things that can happen, so I hear more of those things you know
0: what would you give? what would you say as an example of what you what you call them like patterns
1: well for instance um like people having that interaction training exercise kind of stuff uh, war game scenario stuff um the, the few cases where people have said they the person put on an alien costume. Okay, so like, okay, yeah. Uh, patterns of types of experiences. Um, patterns, you know, initially was, for instance, people seeing aliens present with the military. You know, that was a, a pattern early on that yeah. was like, wait, what's that? You know, and it wasn't there for everyone, but it was there for a few cases.
2: Mm-hmm. What was,
1: was there anything consistent about that, you know? Yeah. Um Yeah. And, of course, then there's patterns that come up with every with everyone you know um everyone who has any level of involvement has the phone stuff happen, you know? yeah, yeah.
2: um
1: a high majority, not everyone, but a high majority of the people a high percentage of the people have helicopter harassment mm-hmm. um they have uh, being befriended. You know, Someone will say, you know, this insider guy, you know, he's wanting to give me this information, and I just roll my eyes and go, yeah, <laughs> you know, okay. You know, because yeah. that happens to all of us. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, you know, so that that kind of thing. So the the patterns that are across the board. Um, the follow-up m- medical procedures, the drugging, the, mi- the mind control. Oh, my God, the mind control. Yeah. You know, that's one area that early on, talk about dragging my feet, not wanting to look at the prevalence of the mind control in this scenario in this scenario, both to degree of how the mind control is used to manipulate and control the abductee, not only by the MS, but of course I mean by the military, how they how they use it to control, manipulate them, how they use it to cause you to forget, how they use it to influence your behavior. But then that they're also using you as a test subject for developing further mind control techniques, you
2: know? Oh, yeah, and this, yeah. And these areas,
1: I just, I was so uncomfortable because it, it's like the u a Costume thing. It's like this confuses this too much where people will all say, well, oh, see, it's all mind control, yeah. you know? And I didn't want to get fall into that category of, you know, oh, it's all mind control because that, that wasn't making sense to me. But yet the procedures and stuff were coming up where it's like, okay, I can't ignore this. It's prevalent. And, and now, now it's there in every case. It's a huge part of the research and I, you know, it went beyond my, I can't ignore it to now realizing it's just, it's part and parcel. It's part of it,
0: you know. Now, um, speak a little bit more to this minder thing, because that's really creepy. How do these people end up? Um, in the lives of the abductees, they just become like their friend. And how, how do they just? And how do the? How does the abductee eventually know that it's a minder and not just their buddy?
1: That's tricky. <laughs> 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 Good question. No, no, no. Um, uh, well, first off, it's like when you've met someone who's like an insider, that the way you met them has has a strange smell to it, you know, yeah. where there's it's fishy, you know. Um, and then they're providing you with information and they're confirming some part of your experience. It's like, and, you know, the abject doesn't necessarily relate this to, they don't necessarily say, oh, I'm being minded now, you know. Yeah. Oh, I'm, you know, they, they just see it as, you know, oh, hey, be, you know, I've met someone and... They've been able to confirm part of my experience, isn't that cool? You
0: and know, they, so they come to them uh, as an insider,
1: well, sometimes as an insider, sometimes just as a friend, sometimes as a romantic involvement, sometimes it's like someone saying, "Hey, I'm looking out for you." you know usually it's under the guise of someone that you think is there to help you, you know they're someone they're trying to become a friend of yours, you know where or it may be someone who's been a friend of yours for a while, and suddenly yeah. you realize there's this other component to the relationship, and you're like, okay, they knew this about me before I knew it about me. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And that's weird. Um, and you know, it's such a weird thing that the first time you hear about it from a case, you're like, oh well, that's interesting, but okay, this person's just making more out of nothing. You know, that yeah, they're, they're paranoid just paranoid or something. They're being paranoid, exactly. And then you hear about it from another case. Okay, well that's interesting. Then you hear it from another, and then you hear it from another, and this starts happening to you, and this starts okay. happening to your other friend. And it you know, sounds like, okay, you know. And sometimes it's hard for the abductee to put their finger on, you know. Ab- these are usually abductees who've started to self-investigate, which means you you might be attending events and conferences, you know.
2: Yeah.
1: And that's usually where you're going to meet this person, is a UFO event or a conference. You know, and you meet them and and they're friendly and you realize this is someone who's open to the subject matter. Thank God you have someone in your life who's open to it that you yeah. share part of your experience with. And next thing you know, they're confirming part of it because they say, well, you know, I once worked at this location where, you know, and you say you saw this thing and I can tell you it's there, Oh, uh-huh, you know, uh-huh, yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. And you're like, yahoo, confirmation. Yeah. Yet, y- y- sometimes the abductee isn't always doesn't always see that there might be something kind of interesting there with the fact that this person is in their life, you know. Yes. But, and then sometimes that can progress where it can start off as just a helpful thing or someone giving you insight or confirming part of your experience to suddenly you realize they're manipulating how you think about it. They're manipulating you whether they encourage you to go public with something or they discourage you from going public. Yeah. Or they warn you away from part of it. You know, and this is that's when it starts where the abductee goes, Wait a second, this person's manipulating me in this way. They're trying to steer me away from this or steer me towards something. Yeah. You know.
0: Now does that does that minder uh relationship ever come to a head where the person's uh confronts them? Oh yeah. And what's that Well usually the minders it? disappear. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> yeah, when
1: that happens. I mean, yeah, there's that's happened in a couple of cases. Um you know suddenly you find that this person's not around as much and not bothering you. And, oh, yeah, because sometimes the abductees, I say, talk about the rage. Yep. When you feel that someone is in your life and they're manipulating you or controlling you.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah,
1: there's yeah. going to be some rage. And uh, and the abductee usually says buzz off in, you know, not so polite terms, but, yeah, yeah. you know, and um, and and starts not taking their phone calls, ignoring them. And these people go away, you know, when, when they're... But in one... Well, more than one or two. In a couple of cases, the abdictee later has realized someone else surfaced to replace that person. Oh, really? And And usually they realized it later. Like, you know, I had this person, they went away, and then I had this other person later and I didn't realize it for a long time because they were sneakier the second time around and then yeah. I realized, wait a second, this is someone else you know. Yeah. And again this this is really rare. I mean it's more likely you're gonna have the reabduction and be aware of that long before you're aware of this part. But but yet it's come up and I've had in multiple cases have it happen, including myself. And sometimes and this is the other thing that's really weird. it's not always a bad thing. Sometimes oh, really? it appears that um, that this is someone who is actually there to somewhat confirm part of your part of your scenario. It seems that there are different factions within the cover-up guys, you know, yeah. you know, within the cover-up cabal, where there are those that are wanting to get certain amounts of the information out, mm-hmm. and those that don't. And those that maybe want to get it out but want to spin it and control it in a certain way, like c- controlled, uh, disclosure. Yeah, you know, yeah. The word disclosure. Controlled disclosure in a certain way. And, and they so, so what you have when you meet these guys are guys that are, that totally want to cover it up, steer you away from it, and scare you away from it. And then you have guys that, totally want to confirm and validate and encourage you and then you have guys that are encouraging you but leaning you in a certain direction you know and and uh and you know so abductees report all these different scenarios to me and sometimes more than one scenario at the same time and then sometimes like one of their minders looks they start to figure out that one of their minders is is Trying to steer them away from another minder
0: oh man give <laughs>
1: like minder versus minder oh jeez <laughs> it gets very and it gets very confusing to the abductee because they're sometimes they're just never really completely sure, but I hear oh, yeah. the same scenarios repeated to me, yeah, and uh so you know it, it's one of those things it's one of those areas that requires further research but but there is this. You know, it's mind games. It's all mind games. And, and and you know, usually this person is befriending them where usually it's a supportive thing. So, you know, it's not negative. Even if it's that they're trying to steer you in a certain direction, they're usually doing so as your friend. You know what I mean? Yeah, and so yeah. a couple times there's been, now, I, a couple times there have been some more negative scenarios where, for instance, Um, I can think of two right off the bat, two different abductees who had super-duper, like, stalker scenarios, like threats on their life, you know. And and that in both cases, this person seemed to have inside knowledge about their experience, no details about it, and yet be very menacing in their life. Oh, man. You know, I mean... Thre- threatening, threatening them. Yeah. You know, Threaten their life. Yeah. And and sometimes even act out to some degree. Oh jeez. So yeah. So there. So there has. So can it can be like that? Thank God that's rare.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um. Now tell me a little bit about your co-author and the co-author's story because you sort of alluded to that in your in your uh, your notes, your presentation and stuff. Were you, were you working on a book at the time, or was this just a co-researcher? Well, I've kind of
1: been on and off for like the last. Uh, somewhere between five and ten years <laughs> on and off working on a book. I kind of started one, compiling stuff, chapter headings, you know, plugging stuff in yeah. slowly. And, and still am. And I've had a, a number of life obstacles <laughs> come up that have constantly been putting it on the shelf. Yeah, that And it's hard to do. It's, it's, oh, yeah. I have a certain amount of emotional blocks. I'll admit that to doing it, you know, because of my own experience. Um, but I, I've continued, and at one time, another apt-tee who had had all this kind of same stuff and was looking into it, and I, and who was a, a friend of mine, had considered doing a book. And we started talking. We said, "Well, let's do it together, and that way we'll, you know, spur each other on, you know, yeah. encourage each other." Yeah. And so that's that's what happened, and we started to work, and we went public with the fact we were doing this together. And we start doing presentations together and this kind of thing. Um, She we both had when when you start to be more public with it and this happens with me, if I increase the number of presentations and stuff I'm doing and I go through periods where I do a bunch and I go through periods where I don't do any radio and this and that. But if I'm doing a lot and if it's national and it's big, you know, then I tend to have some harassment, surveillance stuff. I expect it. You know, I, it's like, okay, they're going to show up now, you know. Oh, I expect it. Yeah. And, you know, it's like okay, I, I accept that that could happen. Mm-hmm. It's a risk of being public with it. But, and I, and I accept a certain amount of risk, you know. Because um, so, I've also learned that they're 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 mostly just threatening and annoying, and it's, you know. It's like, okay, you guys, it's just more evidence. You know, go bring it on. Yeah, course. yeah. But it's You're not on the right concern. track, I guess. Yeah, and, and yeah. And it's, it, it's yeah. not a concern. It's, you know, I, I don't feel my life is truly threatened or anything like that. I think well, need me. I don't know. That sounds crazy. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know. but in her case, anyways, she started to have stuff happen. we both did, um, especially after a major national... Or actually, international radio broadcast, and um, and with her, we both started to have an increase in activity. I expected it; she did too. We weren't necessarily surprised. But then with her, it's in fact we we had something two days after the radio program where the two of us were abducted together and had a major re-abduction um, with both of us taken together.
2: Oh
1: man! And uh, very intense, and lots of physical evidence, and you know, just the whole gamut of the severe kind of experience and, um, and witness to what happened to each other. And, uh, and also a lot of physical evidence, they broke down her door and damaged her door frame. We were taken, I was staying at her place. We were both taken from her apartment and they damaged the, the front door and the lock and the door frame and, you know, breaking into the house to get us and, yeah. you know, and this kind of thing. And so, and damaged the furniture and, you know, so it was pretty rough. And, um, Anyhow, so uh, she then continued to have stuff happen, and eventually it escalated, and it escalated to the point, um, there were many kind of final things that happened, All, um, but one of them, I'll give one scenario, was she um, was doing a little bit of, I think, some internet dating, and had met someone on the internet, and... Um, had had some good experiences with that and, you know, was cautious and and adult and doing it in an intelligent way. Well, she had someone that she developed a relationship with and she had a date with them and this was their first meeting. She shows up to meet this guy at a restaurant and he shows up and he's wearing a partial military uniform. He's wearing like jeans, but he has a military top on, you know, with insignia and stuff, you know, pretty, and has a military haircut. Yeah. And she sits down, and she's a little bit concerned about that, but not completely concerned, because she's like, well, you didn't say you were in the military, but okay. You know, yeah. I know now. He thought. <laughs> and she sits down at the table with him, and he proceeds to tell her some details about her experience, that she'd obviously, you know, that he had to have known, mm-hmm. <laughs> something to have known that, because she never, you know, shared that yeah. with anyone, and certainly not with him. And then he proceeded to say, we're... Um, I'm here to tell you to not go forward with your research and to drop this and to not talk about it. And, and she's like, okay, well, you know, I've heard this before. Yes. So she's had a lot of stuff happen. And he proceeded to tell her details about her sons. She had two grown sons. Details of where they lived, what they did each day, where they worked, what time they left for work, how they drove there, how they came home. So, all the kids all knew everything about them like they'd been monitoring them closely for a period of time. Yeah. Complete lifestyle. like, And he said, No, you don't get it. You're to drop this or your sons will be hurt, period. Oh, And man. And was, made it very clear that they were monitoring the sons at close range. Yeah. And, of course, you know, her sons had no idea. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh and you know and said we will hurt them oh man you know and and it was obvious to her that they had the ability to grab them at any time you know i mean cuz they were obviously monitoring them that closely yeah and um and you know and and so And now that combined with everything, so it wasn't the final thing. Actually, I'll tell you what the final thing was. When I gave this stalking scenario, she was one of them. Yeah. And she had had a stalker situation where the guy knew details. This was months later. This was months and months later after that date even, um, where this stalker thing became very bad. And and this person, in, in fact, the police ended up telling her, because she was able to get a license plate on the car from this guy, and they were able to find out who this guy was. And they said, this person has a, a, a record. He's done time for rape and child molestation. Oh, Jesus. And so the police said, you need to take this very seriously. And they even suggested that she move from where she currently lived. And um, and that became a very real, real threat to her. Oh, yeah. And so... Um, and and then she, and then like that wasn't enough. Her car was forced off the road oh, by another car, and witnessed by a truck driver, who witnessed this and gave a police report saying he saw her car forced off the road by this other car. So, all so multiple things happened to her that it became. Too much. I, oh, mean, what, yeah. I mean, at the point when they forced her out the road, she got in a horrible car accident. And at this point, she said, they made an attempt on my life. And
0: yeah, at that point, you got to be yeah, like, you know.
1: Yeah, you're, you know. It, it, there it was actually a, a series of attempts or near attempts on her that, and that was kind of like the final straw.
0: No, n- nothing like that happened to you? Not like a near- Not,
1: Not, no, nowhere near that extreme. I had low-grade stuff, and then it subsided. And everyone said, well, why is it happening to her and not to you? In retrospect, I have reason to believe that there was more mind control in her life going back. It's a long story, and I don't wish to really get into yeah. it in the sake of this interview because yeah, it's very private for her. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a, a pattern and a history of of being used. It's hard to put the finger on, but there's there is a pattern and history that suggests. She was used in a specific mind control program um, for a, a, a period of her life, um, maybe going back into her childhood, but in her 20s for about a 10-year period, that I, I think as she started to self-investigate about her experiences when we were doing the research together, she needed for us to be able to address in our research the mind control aspect of it. She needed to understand more about what had happened to herself so she started to get regressions for that period of time in her life and start to piece together some scenarios regarding, I can say this much, regarding an ex-husband and his involvement in a program. And I think they didn't want her looking into that anymore.
0: Yeah, they couldn't afford her investigating much more. Looking into that. And yeah. so
1: I think that is why she had it worse than I did. To me, that's the only thing that makes sense. And when she dropped out, and she's remained out, they have
0: left her
2: alone. They
1: have let her alone. I think from time to time she maybe has had a little bit of very low-grade stuff, but it's just kind of a reminder, and they've left her alone. So in her case, they got to her, and it worked, and they've left her alone, and she feels happy that she's able to get on with her life.
2: Well, that's good. Luckily. So, yes, yeah.
1: she's fine, and everything's going well for her, but she won't touch the UFO subject with a 10-foot pole.
0: <laughs> well, that's sort won't of... won't even go near it,
1: and ah. she even separates herself, and, and unfortunately, she had a lot of major friends in the field and has has had to separate herself from those friends. That's too bad. Well, Over the time, answer. there are a few people she's been able to remain in contact with, but very few. Yeah, it's very, very sad. It's very, very sad, and... and but, you know... It, um, you know, who's, people often ask me if it got that bad for you. You know, and I said, well, you know, I, I I don't know how I'd react, but thank God it's not gotten that bad.
0: I know, I know. But like I said,
1: it's I think it had to do with this ex-husband of hers and, and his past involvement in something that I think um, they didn't they didn't want her looking into.
0: And that that kind of speaks to something else that I noticed in your research too was the uh, the concept of the Stepford inductees. Mm-hmm. Um. You say that you find a lot of people are uh, that that end up on uh, like all of a sudden being like I'm out. I'm out of this, and I, I can't do this anymore. And
1: yeah. Well, yes. And, and, and unfortunately, she's, she's not anymore. the only one I know yeah. who who's dropped out. Um, a few people um just say you know I I can't handle it anymore, and so they have gotten to a few people that where that person has said, you know, I'm going to lay low at the subject because I need my life again, just like she said. You know, she said, I need my life. I, I can't risk my family being hurt, and I don't, don't want to be hurt, and I want to keep my job, and you know. And so other people have done that. And um, I, I, I can think of a couple of my lab cases besides hers. Now, hers was probably the most dramatic. But um, a, a, another thing they'll start to do to really tweak you I mean, when they want to mess with you, they can mess with you in a really easy way to mess with someone. Of course, if you get to their kids or their family, that's an easy way to mess with someone. Yeah. But if they don't have kids, another easy way to mess with them is financially or through their job. And I have another major advocate. This guy's been written about in books. I don't want to say his name right now, but he's been written about. What? I said that's cool. Yeah. Major case. He's been written about. Um known by a bunch of researchers and stuff, had major MyLab stuff happen. That's even been written about with him. <laughs> and uh, they messed with him financially. And and he start, he's tried to start up a company and they ruined that for him. And tried to start up another, they ruined that for him. And, and finally he realized the only way he was successful in these areas is if he completely laid off the subject. As long as he laid off the subject, you know, he was able to fix these things. But every time he'd get back into the subject, they'd screw up his finances again.
2: Yeah.
1: And, you know, you hear one story like that, and again, like I said earlier, you think, oh, you know, paranoia, this person's just having financial difficulties and they're relating it to this because, you know, they're wanting to blame something. But when I've heard this from a couple of cases, and then they, they draw some deliberate patterns where it becomes clear to them that this is what's happening. Um, you know, that's, I mean, they, <laughs> yeah, they want to mess with you, you know, they'll, if they're really threatening you from keeping away from it or keeping away from a certain aspect, um, they can, you know, and, you know, and, and, and it makes the abductee drop going public, drop talking about it, you know. Um, and in his case, it, it was mostly the, the financial thing. Now, I don't think he's, completely out but he's very hesitant to be public you know i think with some persuasion he'd be public again but he's he's extremely hesitant because he has had these repeated financial problems in direct relationship to his going public and in fact one was there was a a movie deal thing in relationship to his own story that's so that they got in there and so screwed up you know? Oh yeah. they didn't want that to happen oh, yeah. you know and i mean again it if this was just one story, you'd say, "Oh, this guy's drawing correlations or something." But, but again, I've heard it from multiple people, and when I say "Stepford Abductee," that's a, a joke because of the Stepford Wives yeah. movie, you know. Yeah. And, you know, like me, you know, I'm okay. What do you mean something's wrong? Nothing's wrong, you know. So, when the abductee sits there and says, "says Well, you know, I've just decided to walk away from this," you know,
2: <laughs> you yeah.
1: know? and and. And I've heard this sentence to me, and used certain language a couple of times from different people. But I start to go, wait a second, I've heard this before. Like when I hear the exact same wording exactly. from one addictee to another. Now they don't realize they they don't realize there's any significance to what they're saying to me. But when I've heard the exact same wording and the exact same phraseology from another abductee, I I realize, oh my God, this is a post hypnotic suggestion this is mind control this is they, they've been influenced to say this that it's coming out in a certain phrase uh-huh. and i've had more than one abductee say, say that same phrase to me And i've had this in different scenarios this can happen in in the experiences themselves where the abductee relates a pr- part of the experience and uses the exact same phraseology is like they told me like an abductee would be saying in my experience in my interrogation they told me this or they did this Or they explain this to me, you know, and then they'll give a phrase and and it's uncanny how many things I'm hearing over and over from the exact same people, which also suggests the reality of what's happening to them. I mean, I wouldn't be having them repeat back the exact same words said to them if multiples of these people weren't in fact hearing the same thing, you know. And so this this thing about I'm going to walk away from it stuff, again, I've heard some of the exact phraseology used. I mean, when I when someone says it to me, and they look at me, and they're saying it, like, you know, they just think, they think this is their own thought, and they say, you know, what I just got to walk away from this, you know, and I'm not giving the exact phrase now on, on purpose, you know, yeah. but, but, it, but if it's said in a certain way, I mean, talk about I get hot and cold running chills up my spine, oh, yeah. I, and then I go, because it's like, I realize, oh my God. I've heard this exact same thing.
0: Yeah. Now, do you know? you trying to talk these people like out of it, or are you just sort of like? Well, yeah.
1: Then I tell them what you just told me. I've had two other people say, you know, yeah. I've had three. You know, what you and like, granted, not a lot. I mean, I've, you know, I've I've had, you know, two and three people say one thing, and then another two or three say something else, you know, kind of thing. But yeah. but still, it's like now if I hear those things again, I'll be like, I've had four people say those things to me, you know, and. Um, uh you know, and of course I tell them, I've heard this, in fact the, the very guy I was just talking about and what he was saying to me I had just had someone like two days before, and that's what was so weird, it was the timing thing and I, yeah. said, I just had someone say that exact same thing to me two days ago, he goes, you did and I said, that exact same phrase you just said he goes, oh God and then he realized, you know he's yeah. like, oh my God but that didn't help him feel like if anything it just confirmed for him how much they were really screwing with him. Yeah. Because he's telling me about the financial problems and then gives me this phrase about how he wants to drop out of it and it was the exact same thing someone else had just said to me two days earlier and and I'm like gone you know, and he's like, Oh God, they programmed me to say that and I said, I think so <laughs> <laughs> I think so you know. And uh, but that didn't that wasn't reassuring to him Not you bad. know yeah. you know. And uh-huh. um so and at the same time, when these people... I can understand wanting your life back. I can understand when when you're really tired of the control and manipulation, when you're, you know... I mean, in both of these people's cases, the people they were befri- befriended by, the groups of people they were hanging with, the way they were being manipulated, I mean, those two people within two days of each other, in both cases, man, do I understand. Oh, yeah. Their total burnout of it, you know. Yeah. But... But at the same time, it's like, it, it, you know, it, it's hard because it's like, don't let me be the only voice out there saying this, you know. Yeah. And I mean, thank God I'm not. But but at the same time, it's like, you know, it's hard for me. And then I hear that, and, I, and then I think, you know, are these people being programmed to say this to to say that specifically to me to discourage me because when I hear it it's very discouraging for me to yeah. keep going yeah you know and um, but you know yet I am for now anyways.
0: <laughs> you got keep plugging away I guess yeah yeah now with um with these my labs it sort of creates a paradox of disclosure because uh, a lot of times what people say obviously disclosure being the ultimate uh, release of the UFO secret by the government for those of you who uh you know just Catching up with uh, the UFO world now. You know, just a little backstory yeah. for those people. Um, the My Labs, they sort of create a, a paradox of disclosure because it's going to be really hard for the government, uh, if they're going to release UFO information, um, it's going to be really hard for them to justify uh, the military abductions and just to explain them if they're even going to touch that. What do you think of um, sort of how the My Labs, if, if it was just UFOs coming here, I can see how the government can tell us, but they've done so much illegal and illicit activity to yeah. keep the secret going, Um they're causing their own, like, paradox of secrecy. I,
2: say?
1: yeah, without a doubt they are. They've definitely got a, a catch-22 going, and, and that's, that, to some degree, I think, is, helps perpetuate the continuation of the cover-up and the continuation of non-disclosure. Um, or a very controlled disclosure because there's an effort to really control it. Yeah. So, um, and, uh, and therefore I don't think the My Lab scenario will ever come up. I mean, it, it can't, you know, because, you know, because of us, you know, the purely outrageously illegal yeah. and immoral nature of it. Um, I just, um, I mean, I, th- I think it may be addressed more and more by the UFO community. But as disclosure happens, I think I think disclosure is going. I can't imagine the disclosure scenario doing anything to benefit the abduction case scenario. Oh really? Um, I mean, it, it will independently because people will be more open. It's like, well, aliens are here. Maybe they are abducting people. Yeah. But at the same time, the, I think if there, if there is disclosure, it's going to be a limited, controlled disclosure very specifically, you know, of, of a particular aspect to, to, if anything, to say yes, you know, yes, there are UFOs or yes, they have crashed or they've visited here, but that's it. In other yeah. words, don't look any further you know, kind of thing. And and because um, I think the abduction scenario is so extremely problematic in that area that either it'll be just completely separate from it or there'll even be a negative spin put on it. I hope I'm wrong, but I just, I in looking at how they've gone about it so far and the kinds of things that are being disclosed, well, luckily at this point it just seems to be separate from it, and I and and I think that's the best we can hope for is is that is that there'll be a disclosure of certain things, and it and it will be just separate enough from the abduction stuff that that uh, that it won't put a negative spin on it, and you know, and maybe people thinking, well, okay, if they have come here in the past, maybe they are currently coming, and maybe they are doing this, you know,
2: yeah.
1: it might open up people to 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 the idea. But disclosure initially, I don't think will address it at all. I'd, I'd be extremely surprised if it did in any way, and and hence not addressing the alien abduction, you know, you're not going to be addressing the, the military part. And even if the alien abduction scenario ever got addressed, it would not include the military aspect. I um, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, uh, there's uh, so don't much. Think
0: so. Yeah, there'd be so much. Um... People will be really responsible for for what they've done, and and they wouldn't want that. Obviously. Now, as far as it's
1: it's funny, it's you know the MyLab stuff is completely problematic in in the idea of them disclosing something. Yes, but the MyLab scenario is so important to understand to understand how there has been this control and manipulation of the information exactly. and why there isn't a disclosure. <laughs> you know? So it's it's. You know, understanding it helps you un- helps you understand some of the underlying patterns as to w- why and how they're controlling and manipulating the information. Um, the more the more I've gotten involved in the MyLab stuff, the more it's made me realize that. And I won't. get a, I'm not going to say that there won't disclosure, but it's more like they really, this is going to crazy, but, but I mean this, it's kind of hard to define, but there really isn't a cover up. It's always been about a control of the flow of information. Yeah. So, I mean, the byproduct of controlling the flow is you're covering up other stuff. So by default, you're covering up, but it's not like there's ever been an attempt to cover up. The attempt has been to manipulate the available information. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that is happening Big time. I think it's always happened in the UFO community, and I think it's happening even more so now.
0: What? what how do you uh, get in depth a little bit on that? What do you mean, um, even more so now? What well, just the, just
1: the the manipulation, the information, certain things being de- deliberately leaked out. Um, you know, uh, I think there might be like a series of Rorschach tests, if you will, you know, ink blot tests, where they yeah. where they're putting certain things out there to see how the community runs with them and what, what it does with them, um, you know, I, I'm extremely suspicious every time I hear of an insider disclosing or something, not to say discount them all, they may be the real thing, but is there an underlying reason to their doing it?
2: Exactly, yeah. <laughs> is there some
1: manipulation behind the scenes to why they're doing it? And And I'm cautious of that yeah and 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 i and i think this subject matter has always been controlled and manipulated and it took my really being involved to the depth of realizing what is happening and and how much they've done with the technology and this kind of thing to 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 see that, in other words, you know that's that's something that, that sounds like an absurd statement on the front, but I think when you're involved in this in this subject deep enough for a long enough period of time, you naturally come across that as as, as kind of the only viable explanation, you know. Yeah. And um, and you know, cover up becomes an incorrect term, you know, because it it's always been about the, the controlling what information is available and uh and and influencing the way people think about that information
0: now as far as disclosure in general i always kind of like to get a, an idea of what other people think about it cuz everybody has their own opinion um do you see the idealized uh, idea of disclosure happening um not just in the next few years but just in your lifetime share you know? i think it's
1: been happening all along that's part of why that's part of why we have to say, well it's not like a cut and dry thing it's not one or the other you know um, it, it's been happening there's been a continual release of information out and I think that that is increasing is there some end game in mind um, where then the society accepts this as commonplace yes. I don't know what that time frame is. I don't know if that's 5 years, 10 years, 20 years, 50 yeah. years. I don't know what that time frame is, but I but I but I see it unfolding at an ever increasing rate. So, I think I think disclosure is happening. it, it, it is happening. It is happening. Granted us in the community would like to see it happen faster. Do I want to see it happen faster? You bet. Yeah.
2: yeah. you bet. I mean because
1: then I won't have to fear ridicule as much. You know, I mean, yeah you know i i want to see it happen but but we can't say it isn't happening you know it is it, can we do things within the community to encourage that yeah you know, one of the things you do to encourage getting to receiving better information is being a better investigator. When you're a better researcher and better investigator, you get leaked better information. <laughs> so we all need to, like, dot every I and cross every T and be really evidence-based, and, you know, because that's how they're going to say, okay, they're, ready for, the next, they're n- ready for the next level. The UFO community is ready for that next level of information we have to, it's like we can constantly prove ourselves as <laughs> we're, you know, worthy of the next level. I know that sounds sick, but you know, but, but, you know, um, and you know, and encourage the insiders and treat the insiders that come forward well. I mean we haven't always we've
0: Yeah you know,
1: we eat our own. I've heard that a
0: lot from a lot of people. Yeah, you know, and day. and
1: and, and uh, encourage them, treat them well support them. That doesn't mean accept everything they say blindly. No, do real research about what they're saying because remember there may be other reasons exactly. behind the scenes as to what they're doing. That doesn't mean that doesn't mean don't pay attention to them or be overly suspicious of everyone. That means, yeah, be suspicious of everyone but but be supportive and do the research about them. Do the research, you know, that kind of thing. And um, um because I think we can reach critical mass if, if enough people are disclosing, if enough insiders come forward, enough whistleblowers. You reach critical mass, you get the media attention, and that's when the game really changes. When when we have a positive media spin on the subject, you know, a... a, a Watergate-esque scenario or, or an Iran-Contra scenario. So something where someone who's high enough ranking or a group of people who are high enough ranking cause enough of a stink, you know. And, and I think we can reach that critical mass. And that's where the people, imagine that, democracy, you know, government <laughs> yeah. buying for the people. Wow, what a concept. That's where the people will step up and say, we want it and we'll make it happen. It's, there's, you, uh, there's level one of saying we want it. and First, you've got to educate them to want it. <laughs> you know, we're at that level still. Then, when they become educated enough to say we want it, then you give them the guidelines on how to make it happen. You know. And so uh, you talked about activism. That's what we need. We need activism in this community. So far, we're we're researchers and historians. You yeah, know.
0: Exactly. That's. You know, yeah. and we need activists. Yeah. Yeah. Well I think this seems to be an evolution of the field. I like to talk about it as an evolution of the field towards more of an activist, Because uh, 'cause we're at the point now where proving UFOs are real is really uh that's been done almost, you know, with the exception yeah. of like having the uh the actual craft here to show you. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like we we can't keep trying to prove they're real. We gotta sort of try and figure out what you know we're gonna sort of like marshal the troops here to get this thing going. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's important that people know. I think, I think that's
1: a good way to put it, the evolution of the field. I, I, yeah, I think it is the evolution of the field. You know, and it's been a, when you look at 50 years of UFO research, it's been a pretty slow evolution. And I just think in, like, the last 10 years, it's made major headway. Yeah. And, and I think it's doing that exponentially. So um, I think, you know, over the next years, we're in for some, you know, some interesting developments in it, without doubt.
0: Yeah, well, it seems like there's a a lot going on with uh, the thing in Canada um, and that thing down in Brazil last year, so it seems like it's sort of happening around the world and maybe it'll come to America finally.
1: Sure. I mean, yeah, and then the thing in Brazil, you're right, and and before that you had the Comita report and that whole thing, and then you have the the disclosure process in Canada, you know, so, yeah, and the media starts to pick up on it. So that's what I'm talking about, you know, I think, I think the the scale will tip and will reach critical mass. No, do you think it's a? And I don't think that'll happen overnight, but no. I think it can increase exponentially, where it happens over a period of time, and suddenly ten years later, you look back and you go, "Oh, wow, we know it's been disclosed," you know.
0: Yeah. Well, do uh, you think it's also like a generational thing, where like uh, as as the next generation comes oh, yeah. up, not just of researchers, but just of people in general? Oh, and, absolutely. You know, people come up. The idea of UFOs. And you know the public well, and, and we're
1: just moving out away from the sorry World War two generation, but basically you know the world War two generation of of you trust your government they're yeah. there for you, you believe them they're we're the best and the brightest and the best society and the best economics and you know and and when you you know when when either that goes away or things change or you wake up from the dream or or a combination of the above. You know, the, then you have, you know, subsequent generations who who look at things differently, and and approach problems differently, and you know, so I think I think you're right. It's there's a generational change, without a doubt, and and we're I think we're fast stepping away from a pro militarization concept, you know, and and uh, and people, you know, and without doubt, people question the government. Oh, more and more constantly, and if you look at how that—you just look in the last fifty years, last forty years, last thirty years—how people conceptualize the government and its place. Thirty years ago, the way we think about it now would have seemed completely outrageous to people thirty years ago. Yeah. And that's just thirty years, you know, let alone forty, fifty years, you know. So yeah, I mean, we, yeah, so I. You know, those those things change, and our ability to to deal with other issues and concepts changes. And um, so it's all coming together, and that's why I said there's an exponential increase. I think it's because of all these factors contributing.
0: Okay, and this is sort of the final question here. We've gone right. a while, so I hope you don't mind.
1: I know, and I'm repeating myself now, so. <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that.
0: Oh, no, it's alright. This is almost like a, a general sociology sort of ufology question, and, uh, luckily, I think, let me think for a minute. Yeah, I think you are the first woman I've ever interviewed for the show, so congratulations. Oh, you thank you. Made history. Shame on you. <laughs> uh, well, that sort of speaks to the question, and as women okay. in ufology, uh, it's a much smaller There's quite a pool. few of us. <laughs> What's that? Because
1: there is quite a few
0: of us. Well, that's that's what I was gonna say. It seems there's a certainly a demographic. Um, there's a lot more men, I find, than women in, in ufology. At least uh, as far as researchers go. Obviously, there's a lot of big name women in ufology. Anyway, I mean, I'll, you know, I'm not disrespecting them. There's tons of them. I hope I can interview a lot of them. Mm-hmm. But um, but there seems to be a, uh, like a three to one maybe or something. I don't know. Um ratio so, of men to women. That
1: may be fair. I think three to one is about a fair scenario. Uh-huh.
0: And, um, and why do you like? Why do you think that is, and then what do you think of, um, of that of that sort of demographic breakdown in the field, and, and, and does it seem to be more... It's like a three-part question, geez. And does there seem to be uh, more women in the abduction field than ufology, because that's what I've been told, but uh, you'd know better than I would.
1: I'll address this one first, because the first one that comes to mind, which okay. is, are there more uh or or why aren't there more women in ufology in general yeah um first off and i think this can be applied to other subjects as, as well at least historically that there that there seems to be when it comes to things that are um, that involve military military cover up kind of stuff yeah. or technology um that in those career areas, and maybe I'm making an untrue blanket statement, but my perception is is that, is that they've tended to be uh, more places, you know, that, that appeal to men than to women. Now, there are a lot of women, but we're also talking, if we're relating it to UFO subject, if we talked about a, a three-to-one scenario in the UFO subject, you could look at any other field that deals with certain similar subject matter, um, things like Politics, military, technology—these kinds of things—that, yeah. which is predominantly when you know the aspects of the subject, that you know I think overall in those areas it's a three-to-one scenario.
0: So it's about the same, you
1: think? Know. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I think also historically it was because women couldn't get jobs in those areas. So I think there's a historical thing you have to look at, and so I think in those areas is changing and changing rapidly. And because those were the areas of interest were because men were encouraged to have those interests and women weren't because there wasn't employment there for women. So women were encouraged to do things where there'd be employment for them. I'm you know, talking 40, 50 years ago. Yeah. But hence, those areas of interest were the areas of, of interest to men. And hence, men would be the first to get into alternative subjects within those areas. Yeah. So I think you can look back and say, well, there was a societal thing that early on, I think, affected why women weren't involved in the UFO subject. And it was very much an old boys' network for a long time. Yeah. Um, and then I think as you see the that increasing in society with now the encouragement of women to get into those technical areas and into the military and into these kind of things that you see those so you see those numbers increasing i think to the same degree you see those numbers increasing in the ufo field yeah. because now it's okay to it's accepted by society for women to pursue those kind of interests i may mean, I think it has been for a long time but it it takes a, a social movement time to adapt and change
0: exactly
1: yeah you know for the numbers to reflect yeah. and so i think we're seeing those same numbers reflected in, in i mean i don't know you know all the but this is a general statement i think you'd have to really ask a sociologist but i think yeah. the way that it applies to society it's going to reflect in the ufo field and i think that's just i think that's all we're seeing is the same reflection
2: yeah
1: okay now, as far as the abduction subject I don't think that there's more women to men. There may be more women hypnotherapists, possibly. And that may only be because it's those those areas of of, um, of support, of nurturing, of, um, and again, this is a societal thing, I think that women for many years have been encouraged to do those lines of work and stuff because of, of the supportive, nurturing, counseling, you know, yeah. kind of areas. Yeah. Um, now, granted, there's a lot of male psychologists, a lot of male psychotherapists. Oh, yeah. And, you know, so I, I would say in the abduction subject, I don't know that it's more women to men, I think it's maybe about half and half. But it may seem like more in relationship to the rest of the UFO field because the rest of the UFO field was an old boys' network for so long.
2: Yeah. Predominantly. I mean,
1: that's a blanket statement. But no, I know
2: what you mean, yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and so I think it may look like there's more in abduction, but I think it's actually more balanced in abduction because of people having an interest in doing counseling being more balanced men to women. Yeah. And that's, again, you'd have to ask a real sociologist. Oh, yeah. This
0: is more just sort of like what your opinion on the whole thing Yeah, is.
1: that's my opinion.
0: And, and, and I, it's yeah. a valuable opinion because, you know, like I said, you were the first woman I've interviewed, and this. Is a question that I've wanted uh, to ask before. So uh, I think it's a...
1: Well, I'm certainly not not the only woman oh, in, in this subject. Oh, yeah. I'm not the only woman in the abduction field by any means. I'm not the only woman uh, even in the my lab subject. And, and there are uh, many women researchers in the UFO field. So... Um We're working on
0: getting them on the show, don't worry.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's your own personal bias. I don't know I just, no, no, just give no. you a bad time.
0: Some people just don't email you back. That's how it works. Oh, okay. I mean, <laughs> well, that's true.
1: We've, women women are not as good about emailing back. I'm just <laughs>
0: <kidding>. <laughs> that's what I'm getting booed at. Oh no. Um Well, we should probably wrap it up here. I've, I've taken up way a ton of your time. I really appreciate it. Um Sure. Well, like I said, thanks. Thank you so much for appearing on the show. I really appreciate it. Um, what can we expect from you in two thousand six? Do you have anything big coming up that we should know about?
1: Um. Well, I, actually, uh, now that you say it. Well, I have not written a book. Um, a co researcher, kind of a, a research associate of mine, that's helped me quite a bit with my research, and we work together on projects. Has has written a new book. Um. It's, he's in the process of kind of coming up with the final title of it. I believe the title is going to be based upon a, a Corso quote, a Colonel Philip Corso quote, because the book is about Colonel Philip Corso, uh Bill House, uh an insider that has come out with his story of having had worked at Area 51, and myself, and the cross correlation between... Um, between our three stories if you will
2: yeah.
1: and, um, and 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 uh, the book is by Randy Copang um, it's at the printer <laughs> as, as we're speaking now oh, awesome. so I expect uh, by the end of January there'll be copies available um, it could probably be easy easily picked up at UFO conferences and maybe um, search by the name Randy Copang online and you might find something in association to it um,
0: how do you spell the name so people?
1: Randy is R A N D Y, Copang is K O P A N G. Okay. But I- anyhow, so um that's, that's exciting cuz I'm going to be featured in in this book and it it it'll address many of the things that we just talked about in the
0: context of this interview. That's awesome.
1: And um
0: how about conferences you're going to be speaking anywhere uh that you know? Um the there's next a,
1: year. A, a a local Conference. I'm going to be uh, speaking at, I believe, in April here in Orange County. Not so much a conference, just a, a speaker event yep. uh, called the Orange County Freedom Forum. And I, I just got asked to speak there in April. Awesome. Um, they wanted me to speak earlier, but that's the date that works for me. So, uh-huh. so it's the first week of April, um, the Freedom Forum of Orange County. And then um, I believe I'm going to... Be speaking at the, um, the Los Angeles UFO Expo, um, the one put on by Lisa Davis, mm-hmm. um, in September. Uh, there hasn't, there has been talk about my speaking there in the past. There's not been a, a, a formal invitation yet because it's too early. But, um, but because it was discussed in the past. Uh, I believe I I feel fairly secure that I that I'll be asked to uh, to to speak at that. Awesome. Yeah, but, but, I mean, basically, she did ask me in the past, but it, I I realize when you get closer to the conference, things can can change. Yeah. Um, and I would have to have a you know a a, a formal invitation, but I I have reason to believe I'll be speaking at that.
0: So you're optimistic, or, or cautiously optimistic. Yeah, and that's
1: that's um, I said September actually it might be November. Oh okay. Yeah, when she does that, it's uh, somewhere between September and November.
0: All right. Well, thank you very much for appearing on the show. Um, like I said, I was chasing you around the X conference all, yeah. all uh, April, all that well,
1: day. I, again. Uh, I apologize for not having the time then to... Oh,
0: don't worry about it. Well, when I was doing the research for the interview, I thought to myself, i don't like, oh, no, she probably thought I was a crazy minder or... No, like no, some, no, uh, government no. Government guy, I'm like, oh no. No. I'm, I'm not. To the best of my knowledge, I'm not just a the writer. wrong way,
1: But you don't come across slick enough to be a minder. <laughs> <don't> no, <know>. that's <laughs> probably
0: I'm good. Kidding. That's probably why I do get a lot of emails back for interviews because people <laughs> appreciate my folksy nature. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah. Sorry about that. Oh, don't worry about it. Uh-huh. Um But yeah, thank you very much for the interview. Sure. I really appreciate it. I'm, oh, you're I'm, welcome. I'm sure the people are going to really enjoy it, and um, I'm really glad that Get, get your research out there and and for people who hadn't discovered it yet too well thank get, you I appreciate, I appreciate you, you uh,
1: I appreciate you doing that I mean it, you know it's always good to to get the information out there and educate people and I appreciate you not only helping me do that but I certainly appreciate you uh doing that on the subject matter as a whole
0: oh well, thank you very much you're welcome That does it for this week's edition of been all of America audio. Big thanks to Melinda Leslie for stopping by and giving us so much time and really digging into the MyLab story with us. I want to thank Leslie and Chiron of beenallofamerica.com for your continued help and support with the audio series. Also, big congratulations to Chiron for one year of spectacular columns at beenallofamerica.com and chiron.net. It is my pleasure to help bring your stuff to the masses. So thanks for being a part of beenallofamerica.com. Also, big thanks to the websites out there that have been picking up com's audio series, of America Audio, and spreading the word. I really appreciate that. And I would be remiss if I did not mention that uh, if you enjoy our stuff and you want to help keep the show going and throw some bones our way, we have a PayPal button at com. You know, throw some change in the bucket and help me dance. That's all I'm asking for. You can find that at binallofamerica.com, where we update daily with columns, uh, reviews of other esoteric radio shows, esoteric news, esoteric parodies, and a host of other things that's updated daily, and you can find it all at of www.binallofamerica.com. Next week, it is February 4th, 2006, and we are going to be talking to Colm Kelleher, co-author of Hunt for the Skinwalker. It's one of the most talked about books of the last few months. Uh, he's done the rounds of the talk show circuit, and now he's coming to All of America Audio I've heard many of his big interviews with regards to the Skinwalker book, so we're, we're, we're delving into new ground with Colm Kelleher. We're talking about the Skinwalker Ranch. We're talking about NIDS. We're talking about Bob Bigelow. We're talking about what he thinks was going on at NIDS and where NIDS is going in the future. It's going to be just it's just an awesome conversation. You're going to enjoy it, I'm sure. That will be at com on February 4th, 2006, next Saturday be there or be square ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for listening thanks for being a part of the audio series thanks for sticking around thanks for finding us after our hiatus i really appreciate it got tons of emails from people saying hey you're back this is great and really just keeps us going we appreciate it so stick around we got tons of great guests in the pipeline they're going to be coming up all throughout the winter and spring here at been of america audio so thanks for listening Until you hear from me next week, this is Tim Bernal signing off.